Eanes is proud to present the WHS Healthy Shaft Speaker Series. This week, Stacy Thrash from www.peacebox.com shares everyday mindfulness for a peaceful, stressless presence. Grab a raisin and enjoy the mindfulness exercises. I'm excited to be here and you know we've had sort of a long journey with Westlake High from the first time Christy visited my peace box uh, that was parked off of uh, South Lamar and I have two of these mobile units and so my uh, my hope is to bring mindfulness tools it's called mindfulness on the move peace box mindfulness on the move so my hope is to bring mindfulness tools to people meet them where they are whether that's schools or corporations or communities and also give tools that you can take with you so take with you on the move this afternoon I'm presenting to a group at the luggage place called away and they want to know mindfulness tools for traveling so it's really about tools to help you stay your attention stay in the present moment because that's really where the action is and it's also where your life is uh, and what this training does is it, it teaches you to ground your attention in the moment. So our mind likes to travel, and if we can get it to focus where we want it to, we have a lot, of a lot more control of our emotions and how we show up with other people, relationships, all of that. So, um, so my background, just so you know, is corporate. I had 30 years in corporate sales and sales management, and... Um, was stressed a lot. I traveled a lot and I had uh, 36 people reporting to me and they all had catastrophes every day and it was a uh, higher education publishing. So, um, so that's my background and then I learned how to meditate in 2008 and uh, I actually did it by accident. My, um, my friend invited me to Sedona to a uh, creative writing retreat and I went and it actually had meditation in there with it and I was really going for the writing but found that the meditation part of it opened up my writing in a new way and at the time my father had just passed away and so um, I was going through a lot of emotions but I was judging myself for having feelings I was judging myself for not being able to sit through a corporate meeting without crying you know so when I was able to sit and let that be uh, some other opportunities were available to me and my intent for that weekend when I went several years ago in Sedona and 10 years ago in Sedona was to have clarity and by the end of the weekend it was it was like I was clear that it was okay not to be clear because I was you know still grieving the process of my father's death so um, the tools of mindfulness like I say, came to me by accident, but I found that just in practicing, and I didn't start meditating right away in 2008. It took a few times of going to retreats, and, you know, I did it and feel good, but I didn't stick with the practice. And now, um, if I don't do it, it feels like I haven't brushed my teeth. You know, I can really feel a difference in my nervous system. So mindfulness is really uh, something we'll define here today, but just to get a sense of where you guys come from, what is is anybody brand new to this whole topic or are you yeah brand new to the topic of mindfulness so we'll define it and we'll we'll also define meditation and how the two are combined and also how the tools of mindfulness really stress out of the nervous system because there's a scientific basis behind that so we're gonna do a little practice we're gonna have a little experiential practice like Christy said and um, we're gonna do a mindfulness practice which is going to be mindful eating we have some raisins if anybody doesn't want to participate that's okay and then we're also going to do at the very end a short guided meditation for anyone who wants to participate in that so you can feel the two differences okay so uh, first of all let's see if I can get this uh, this is the peace box this is peace box one peace box two which you just saw is on a permanent trailer and so this one is where I first met Christy, and it's now parked on my property in Lake Travis, and I do retreats there, and I do some individual community classes there, nights and weekends. Um, but the mobile box is the one that we take to schools and to workplaces and to communities. And I've been running a promotion, which is why you guys are getting the Peace Box next week. I've been running a promotion this summer called the Summer of Giving. So for every two days we go, go to a company or a corporation, we donate a day to a school. And because of our relationship with Westlake, we did some training here last spring 
I wanted Westlake to get the first crack at that. So we've got two days coming to Westlake, and then we've got a day going to um, Ann Richards School for Young Women Leaders. And it's just the students will, the idea behind day one, which is next week, is the students will have some time in the physical peace box. We have headphones with guided meditations, and they can choose to not, they can choose to opt out if they don't want to do it, but we have recorded meditations that they can actually experience a little bit of what meditation is. And meditation is really the, I'd call it the training for mindfulness. So mindfulness is what we're after, being present in your life, um, being where you are when you're having your attention on what you're doing while you're doing it. And it helps with focus. It helps with emotional control. It helps with uh, health, all kinds of things. So, um, so that's what we're about. And I wanted to also thank if any of you were a part of this uh, wonderful funding that we had last spring. We trained over six weeks, twice a week, the counselors and the teachers at Westlake that wanted to participate. And this was just a subset of them. A few of them couldn't make it that day. We, we had pictures. But um, we did an hour at a time, and we basically gave them a curriculum, and we call it a mindful, mindful, mindfulness at school curriculum. I also have a mindfulness at work curriculum that's geared more toward employees and what kinds of stress they deal with. So in talking about stress and what Westlake High kids are stressed about, or even parents or even counselors, uh, we're, we're about giving you tools to sort of meet you where you are. So um, stress shows up in everybody's life is how our bodies have been designed so we can survive trauma and so we can survive um, life-threatening situations. It's a physical response that we have where our nervous system excretes hormones that will do things to our body that will help us escape a situation. You've probably heard of fight or flight. We'll talk a little bit about that. So um, stress response is normal. And this is, this is taken from something you had on your website. So these were the words that Westlake High School recently used to describe Westlake High School. Um, and the ones that got the most responses, I'm assuming, get the bigger. <laughs> so stressful is, I'd say, number two, right? Challenge or competitive is number one. Uh, and then there's also some things here that mindfulness does address. Uh, drugs. Um, you know, it's, it's like ways of coping that students have, okay? There's, they say it's intense. They participate in sports, and there's all of these words, but there's also, you know, there's expectations, and that's whose expectations is that? The parents, the kids, the, the, where they're trying to get into college. Uh, so there's a lot of things that mindfulness can support in this, in this diagram. Number one that we're going to talk about today is the stress, because stress... Um, is just a physical response that we have to the environment that we live in. So here's our objectives is to define mindfulness and meditation. We're going to do a mindful eating practice, like I said. Um, we're going to talk about how stress helps uh, or how mindfulness helps with stress. And then I'm going to give you a few tools and I put some bookmarks back there that have some of this content on them so you can take that if you want to have a tool at the end. So defining, we've already defined, it's being present with what you're doing while you're doing it. How many times have you driven a car and you can't remember how you got home? Uh, your attention is somewhere else. You're not paying attention to what you're doing while you're doing it, which is driving. So that's just what our minds do. It's a natural process. Our minds go to the future. They go to the past. They go on other people. Our attention goes on other people. Um, but where all of those things that I just mentioned, we really have zero control over. What we do have control over is this moment, right? How I am in this moment, right here, right now. This is where my life is. So if we can help students and parents and whoever to learn how to refocus your attention on the moment, uh, then you'll have some choice over where you put your attention. And that's what we're after, is just a little bit of choice, okay? So if you don't know these things, like an example, if my attention is on, uh, 
what are you thinking about me, right? Uh, and and what that what does that mean? I'm this is the first presentation I've done at a school, and you know I can get into that real quick, and I have no control over what you guys think of me. I really don't. I hope that I'm going to give you some information that you can use, and I hope that we can continue to work with Westlake in ways that support the students here and the parents here and the faculty and the staff. But I have no control over that. What I do con have control over is how I prepared the presentation and how I am right here right now. And that's pretty much it. <laughs> so if my attention is on all those other things, I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to get pretty nervous, right? I am a little nervous just because I have that energy. It's the fight or flight energy in my system right now. Anytime people present in public, they have a little bit of that. So while those hormones are being released, they're not released at the level they would if I was about to have a, a car wreck. But I have, uh, I have those hormones being released in my nervous system right now because uh, that's just the way your body does, okay? And, and so what another definition of mindfulness is having your mind full of what you're doing while you're doing it. And then the key to this is a non-judgmental attitude. So an example of that is if, if I'm looking at my hand and without judgment, I would notice, I may notice some uh, colors and some different textures of my hand. I may notice uh, I have a scratch here or there, but there's this non-judgmental attention. Now, if I look at my hand with judgmental attention, I might think I should have done my nails today, you know, and, and a lot of us have that judgmental mind going into everything we do, and that's okay, but if we can pull back from it and not have that judgment, it gives us a lot of freedom in our lives. So uh, putting your attention on anything you can't control causes stress, and all we really have control on is the choices we make in each moment. And then meditation, just to differentiate the terms, refers to ancient and modern practices which help to settle the nervous system, release stress, and train the brain. And mindfulness meditation, which is really focusing on what you're doing while you're doing it in meditation, um, is, gives us that ability to train the brain to be present. Okay, So in a meditation practice, uh, you're going to have thoughts, especially if you've never done it or if you, it's been a long time since you've done it. And so that's part of the experience, and it's just refocusing your attention back to whatever the point of focus is. So if we're focused on our breath, you just bring your attention back. Every time you notice that, you bring it back. This non-judgmental attention uh, is really important because what I noticed when I started doing that meditation after my father's death is I had a lot of self-judgment. I was like, oh, no, I'm crying. What are they going to think of me? You know, and that's just the normal default thinking that I had. So here I am crying uh, in this meditation and thinking all these things, right? Uh, I got to the point before the weekend was over that I could just have tears with no thoughts because that was that non-judgmental attention. And I, I was able to actually feel the sensation of tears rolling down my cheek without having it mean anything, you know? It was just the way that my nervous system was re releasing stress out of, out of my emotional uh, body. So meditation is a way to train. And there are all types of meditation. You probably heard of transcendental meditation and uh, different types. But they're, the goal of mindfulness meditation is to help you be present. Okay. And so we talk a little bit about where, in this we talked to the counselors in the sessions that we did, is, and I think some of them have used it with the students. So where is your attention? Typically, if you're feeling anxious or fearful, chances are your attention's in the future. If you're feeling depressed or regretful, then your attention's probably in the past. If you're feeling frustration or anger, a lot of times it's, isn't that person doing it the way I, I want them to do it, right? Uh, especially on your kids, you know, my, my parents couldn't control me when I was a teenager. I did a lot of things that I shouldn't have been doing when I was that age. You know, I had friends that were having babies at age 14, and I had uh, a friend I hung out with that her mother worked all night, and we, you know, we did things we weren't supposed to be doing. Uh, but 
But my dad couldn't control that. You no, know, all he could do was how he reacted to it. Okay, so um, so then. When our attention is here in the present moment is where we have that peace and calm. And so certainly our attention is always going to be on somewhere on this circle. But just knowing if you're feeling these things, you can say, okay, that's a cue that my attention is on the future. And you can bring it back to the point of focus or to the present moment, which we're going to give you some tools to do. So let's start with this uh, mindfulness practice, which is... Um, cultivates sort of a beginner's mind. Like I was talking about this non-judgmental attention where I look at my hand and don't think I should have done my nails. I look at my hand and I think, uh, what can I observe about the texture, the colors that I see, those kinds of things. So we're going to do this with raisins. And like I say, we're going to pass these around. If anybody isn't or allergic to them or you don't want it, it's okay. Just hold, hold this raisin in your hand when you get it and those of you who already have one can start observing it. And first of all, um, just observe how much it weighs in your hand. Observe by looking at it. What is it? What do you see visually about this raisin? And you may notice things when you're looking and paying really close attention to, to something as common as a raisin. You may notice that you're seeing things that you've never seen before. So those of you who have a raisin, are you noticing anything you've never seen before about this kind of common everyday thing that we probably eat pretty regularly? <laughs> um, so visually, different colors. What colors do you see? So. Put it up to your nose and, and take a sniff and notice you smell. Some, some of you may have a raisin that doesn't have a lot of aroma, and some of you may have a raisin that has a lot of aroma. So just check in with that. And you, some of you may notice you begin to salivate when you smell the raisin. Uh, anybody notice that? So uh, that's your body anticipating digesting this. So now I want you to put it on your bottom lip and feel the texture against your bottom lip. <laughs> Some of you are eating it. <laughs> See, we're used to just popping these things, right? And so a raisin is an interesting thing to do a mindful eating with because most of us just pop the raisin in our mouth. I want you to take a small bite of it and hold the, the part that is still in your hand and look at that. Any observations in looking at this half-eaten raisin? This is fun to do with, with fruits we pop in our mouth, like blueberries, uh, raisins. Um, and anything else you know visually or about the smell or even about the taste now that you've had it in your mouth? Is it quiet or loud when you chew it? Anything about your taste buds? You feel different? It tastes sweet? Yeah, that's a good point because a lot of times we compare like fruit to candy or fruit to something that's really sweet and it isn't until we really get an experience like this that you notice how sweet fruit is and how much sugar is in there, how much natural um, sugar is in there. So anything else? Usually we, with raisins too, we put other foods with them, right? We put other foods and so they're they're a, a accessory food, uh, not necessarily something we eat one at a time. So, if you nobody said this, but if you look closely at at the raisin, there's a there's a place there used to be a stem, right? So this used to be what a grape, right? So it's had this transition from a grape to a raisin, and then it made its way to you today. So another part of mindful eating is thinking about all the things that had to happen to this raisin from the time it was a seed to now and how it got here. I'm assuming Christy had to go to the grocery store, and how did it get to the grocery store? 
somebody delivered it, and then it was in somebody's farm, right? And before that, there had to be soil and water and whatever cultivates a healthy growth process for this. So, <clears throat> so if you think about this in terms of translating it to, let's say, a relationship with another person, we, we can, and this is totally normal. I want people to not think they're doing anything wrong, but when we see people, our mind makes judgments about them, and uh, it makes assessments, and then we fill in the rest with what we, we fill in what we don't know with what we assume to be true, and a lot of times uh, it isn't true, and so especially in high school when, you know, I assumed a lot of things that weren't true in, in junior high and high school, and uh, if I have the ability to look at my thought and decide is it true or not, I can say it's, if it's not true uh, about another person, let's say. So if I think I make a judgment about somebody based on just their looks, uh, and then I get to know them and my judgment changes or my opinion about that person changes. You think about uh, your first date with someone that, that you may still be with or not still be with. You make up everything, you know, and it's like this wonderful person. And then you get to know them, <laughs> and you, you get to see more of them, right? And it might increase how you like them or it might decrease how you like them. But we tend to make quick judgments, and the more we get to know somebody and really get to experience them, the more we can sort of experience who they are. But a lot of times we, we make judgments and we're, we're closed-minded about that. You know, this person is blah. So um, we're going to do a quick, well, let me see. We may not have time. Uh, what time is it? 12.25. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's. What I, what I would challenge you to do is maybe look at your teenager with a beginner's mind. And I know there's things about your kid that you know a lot, you know. There's also things about your kid that you don't know. And, you know, my, my mom, her, because I was hanging around a, a, a really rough crowd when I was a teenager, she... Uh, she was really out of control, but she, she made a lot of judgments about how I was going to turn out. And, uh, and it wasn't true, but, uh, but it was her experience at the time, and I, I don't fault her for that. You know, it was a, a lot of fear involved in that. But um, I, my parents divorced, and I went over to live with my dad, and he was working a lot, and he didn't have time to worry about me because he was worried about his own life. And then I started noticing all the stuff my, my friends were doing that I didn't want to do. You know, I didn't want to have a baby at 14. And so uh, I sort of gave myself a new life because I knew I had a choice, you know. And it's like my experience in, I don't want to get too far into that, but it's just it's like being, being able to translate this beginner's mind to your relationships with, with people, all people. But um, it could give you some new freedom with your, with, your, with your teenager about how you see things and how you open up to whatever they may want to tell you. And it may change your relationship. So um, let's talk about stress and just the physical response of it. It's part of our, our nervous system responds to stress. So there's the autonomic nervous system, which is everything that works automatically without you having to think about it. So... Your breathing is an autom autonomic nervous system. Your heartbeat, things like that, that you don't have to self-replenishment, all of that is your nervous, your autonomic. The sympathetic nervous system is that fight-or-flight response that we have, the, uh, the stress response, as some people call it. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is the rest and digest. So our bodies are designed to do the stress response. Um, the quicker we can get into this parasympathetic nervous system, the, the better off we are on our physical body because the longer our nervous system is activated in this stress response, uh, things start to break down in the body. 
So the science has shown that. If you think about uh, what happens when we're in this fight or flight mode, the breathing rate increases, your pupils dilate, your blood pressure increases, all these things happen to save your life. You get increased blood flow to the skeletal muscles. Uh, if this is happening on a prolonged level, then there's going to be some breakdown in the body. So uh, over time, it can do these different things to the body, the mind, the emotions, and your behavior as a result of it. So you may end up having, uh, and, and think about kids worrying and, and not being able to concentrate and not being able to sleep and insomnia and all of these things. Uh, and the body starts to break down over time, not so much as a teenager, but over time. Your body will break down if you don't release this accumulated stress out of the nervous system. The best way to release it is to do what our body's designed to do, which is fight or flight. Okay? If, if you're in a stressful situation that you like almost have a car wreck, you can do some jumping jacks. It's like a flat fight or flight response. Um, the second best way, well, that's the, that's the best way. We'll talk about the other ways in a minute. Um, that's, that's the other way. So accumulated stress, uh, the best way to release it is sleep. If you're getting a good night's sleep, you're halfway home. Um, the problem is a lot of people aren't getting a good night's sleep because they've got so much stress. So the next best way to release stress out of the accumulated stress out of the nervous system is this practice of meditation that I'm going to introduce to you. So the parasympathetic system is the rest and digest. And when we do meditation, our nervous system goes there. Okay. So if we can do that regularly on a daily basis, then we have a a sense of what that feels like compared to the fight or flight. And so that's why I said in the morning, if I don't meditate, I feel like I haven't brushed my teeth because I notice it's kind of a new normal that I have in my nervous system. So uh, we're going to do a short meditation. And then I'm going to open it up for questions. But if you don't want to do the practice, it's okay. Again, this is just a mindfulness practice. I'm just going to direct your focus. That's all we're doing. And that's really all I do is mindfulness meditation training. I don't, I don't, transcendental meditation is, uh, is just a mantra practice. And it is, the purpose of it is to transcend into this place of no thought or oneness. Um, that may happen to some people in mindfulness meditation, but the goal of mindfulness meditation is to train your attention to be here in the moment. So the practices we use and the points of focus are points of focus that are in the moment. So I'm going to say a little bit about some essentials and how stress is released out of the nervous system. So first of all, if any of these three things happen, during a meditation, either today or another time, just know you're releasing stress. And we've already talked about one, thoughts. If you're having thoughts, it's actually a sign you're releasing stress out of your nervous system. Um, think about sleeping and dreaming. When you're dreaming, you're releasing stress out of your nervous system through movement of the mind. Okay? Uh, the second way that stress is released out of your nervous system is movement of the body. So sometimes people have... Uh, tingling or itching or uh, even coughing and sneezing, all of those things that have pain uh, in the body can be a sign that you're releasing stress in the body. And then the third way is through emotions. So like I said, when my father just died, I had these, I had these raw tears without really a lot of thought when I was able to finally get to this place of not criticizing myself. So um, if any of those things happen, just know you're releasing stress. And even though I say that <laughs> about the thoughts, people think that if you're having thoughts during meditation, you're doing something wrong. And that's why a lot of people avoid it, right? Or they avoid it because once you start hearing your thoughts, they're very critical. And mine were, I can tell you. And it was really hard to sit through, but I had a teacher that kept saying, be sweet to yourself. So there's these there's these essentials that before we do the practice, I want you to just be mindful of. Knowing that it's okay to have thoughts, if that happens, just redirect your attention back to what I give you to focus on. Uh, beginner's mind have no expectations like we just did with the raisin. Every meditation experience is different. 
You can't make something happen. It's just what your nervous system needs to bring itself back into balance. So at some point you may have uh, a lot of thoughts and other times you may not have a lot of thoughts. At some point you may have itching or something in your body. And what I will say is the body sensations that you have during meditation are correlated with where you're releasing stress out of the body. So if you have an injury, you may, you may feel some physical sensations in that area. Um, and same with emotions. If you're um, releasing emotions in a meditation, it's generally directly correlated with the, the emotion that you're releasing. Like I was releasing grief. Uh, somebody else may have an anger response in, in meditation or a fear response in meditation. And it's just the way that our nervous system is bringing itself back into balance. So beginner's mind. And then when I say don't try too hard, <clears throat> I've seen people, <laughs> I've seen people sit and go, oh, you know, and it isn't about really trying. It's, it's not about, and then they're telling themselves, oh, they're, you're thinking again. You're not doing it right. Yeah. And that's so miserable. I, I, so what I mean by don't try too hard is right now we can do this together. Put your attention on your left hand. This, just look at your left hand and put your attention there. And notice the sensation of your left hand. Again, you may find that your mind wants to say, oh, I have too many wrinkles, which is what I like to say. Uh, but then pull back from that a little bit and just see if you can observe your hand just as non-judgmentally as you observe that raisin. And now bring that same gentle attention of non-judgment to your right hand. It's that gentle non-judgmental attention that we're looking for when we talk about this don't try too hard third essential. And then we've already talked a little bit about be kind to yourself, but I can't stress that, that enough. Just really uh, know that the critical mind is part of how we survived and how uh, human beings do. And we're mostly more critical on ourselves than on other people. But um, if you can, when you notice a critical thought, just pull back a little bit and just be kind to yourself and refocus the attention on our breath or our body, what we're going to look at. Um, and then the, the fifth one is stick with it. So if we set out to do five minutes and that's what we'll do, we'll stick with five minutes unless there's a burning down building or there's some tragic emergency. Uh, sound is an excuse to get out of meditation. Uh, you know, you may find that you cough or you sneeze or any of that, and just remember that that's how your nervous system's releasing stress. If anybody doesn't want to do this practice, it's totally fine. Uh, we're just going to pay attention to our breath for a moment, and then we're going to do a quick body scan. Okay? Well, it'll probably seem like it goes by faster than it does, but there I am giving you expectations. <laughs> so uh, if you're all seated in a chair, put your feet flat on the floor, and that helps with the feeling of feeling grounded. And um, you can do this practice with closed or open eyes. I recommend closed if you're okay with that, just because it helps with the internal focus. If not, feel free to keep them open. Uh, if you have your eyes open, I would suggest just staring down a little bit with a downward gaze. And then uh, if you're okay closing your eyes or keeping them half open, you just get to where you want to be with that. And then welcome all the sounds that we hear in this immediate space. And you may, you may find with your attention on the sound, the sensation of sound and the sensation of hearing becomes more acute. And while our mind may want to label the source of the sound as, oh, that's the air conditioner, or that's the clock, or that's someone talking, see if you can pull back a little from that and just notice how sounds arise from silence and return into silence just as the sound of my voice 
arises from a place of silence and returns into that same place of silence. And continuing to welcome all sounds as they move in and out of silence. I'm going to now shift the attention to the breath. And right now, don't change your breath in any way. Just notice it. Notice how you're breathing. Just notice the natural rhythm of your breath. And without any judgment, maybe a shallow breath or a deep breath. You may find your inhales longer than your exhale. None of that really matters. I just want you to observe the natural rhythm of your breath. And continuing to welcome sounds and keep the focus on the breath. We're going to take three long, slow, deep breaths through your nose if you can. If you can't breathe through your nose, it's okay to adjust, but take in three, three to five long, slow, deep breaths through the nostrils. And begin to notice what you notice about the breath, what sensations you experience as a result of this air moving in and out of your body. You may notice a sensation of the body expanding on the inhale. The lungs contracting on the exhale. And see if you can notice a little bit difference in temperature of the air moving in your nostrils as you breathe in. It's a little cooler. And when you exhale, the air coming out is a little bit warmer. Now I want you to put your attention on that slight but natural pause between breaths. It could be a short pause or a long pause, but notice there is a slight pause between the inhale and the exhale. And there's a natural slight pause between the exhale and the inhale before you take your next breath. There's nothing to change or control, just be aware of the pause. Doesn't matter how long or short it is. Now I want you to experience that pause as a stillness between movements. If your breath is a movement, that pause is a, a stillness. Gently and slowly bring your attention back to the natural rhythm of your breath. If you haven't already done so. And just notice without judgment if your breathing is different or if it's the same as when we started the practice. And it doesn't matter if it's different or it's the same, just notice.
gently bring your attention back to the sounds in the environment. Noticing the silence between sounds and how sound arises from silence and returns into silence. And now you can begin to wiggle your fingers and toes and gently and slowly take some deeper breaths And when you're ready, there's no rush, you can gently and slowly open your eyes or turn your gaze more straight or upward. You had your eyes open. So that was a meditation. <laughs> that was a mindfulness meditation and it was about six, seven minutes. Um, so Anybody feel different than when we started that? A little bit of a shift. and really It does. It goes by fast. So you could probably do 20 minutes, no problem. <laughs> and, and really, just starting with five minutes a day, you'll start just five minutes a day, you'll start feeling a difference in your nervous system. Like I was describing, the uh, you just activated your parasympathetic nervous system. So it's that opposite of the fight or flight. Um, and this is all that's required for a successful meditation, a willingness to do it, which most of you were, uh, a point of focus. We just did the breath and some sensations in the body and sound. Sound is always in the moment. Your breath is always in the moment. And physical sensations are always in the moment. So those are really good points of focus. Um, and then this gentle, non-judgmental attention, okay? Um, and that takes time, I, I say. it's a, You know, I still have a default negative thought process. I still do. But I have space from it because if I let that default negative process, if I think that's who I am, then I'm never going to do anything with my life, honestly. It's just it's crippling. So, um, so I'm able to say that's a thought. It's not true. Even if it's true, I'm going to do something else, you know. And the more you do that and sort of break off from the habitual thinking, the more you have another option. So our brains, and they've done studies with um, people who've meditated for, for lengths of time, and it, you don't have to do it for that long to start seeing the structural changes in the brain. So it's like there's a neuropathway, and this is a well-worn path because you've thought this way all of your life, you know. And then you start interrupting that by doing it a different way. And this is not a well-worn path yet, but the more you interrupt and do this, the more it will become more natural. So the more I can tell myself that's a negative thought, I don't want to go there, I want to go here, then going here is easier. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in the archive video recording of this session and any corresponding handouts or resources, please visit the WHS Healthy Shaps website at healthyshaps.weebly.com.